What do you want from us? Inception. Is it possible? Of course not. If you can steal an idea from someone's mind, why can't you plant one there instead? Hey, movie lovers, welcome to another episode of the Does It Hold Up podcast. I'm Adam. And I'm Emily. And you know what we do here. We talk about a movie that came out at least a decade ago and decide if it still holds up to today's standards. We're not saying if it's good or not, it's just, does the CGI hold up? Does the acting hold up? Hell, is the story still good? I don't know, but we find out for you so you know if this is something you should rewatch. What movie are we doing this week? We're doing 2010's Inception. Ooh, by one of my favorite working directors... Christopher Nolan, and he has a new movie coming out this summer, Oppenheimer. You are so excited for that. I am so excited for this. I know the story, I know the people, and he's my favorite working director right now. Well, honestly, like, everyone's in that movie, and it I, looks gorgeous. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's Nolan, of course, it looks gorgeous. But yeah, he basically was like, hey, I'm making a movie, anybody in Hollywood want to be in it? And everybody was like, hands up, out right here, pick me. Yeah, it was basically, if Marvel calls or if Nolan calls... You're just saying yes. Well, it's funny because then we also have like Wes Anderson's Asteroid City coming out this year, yeah. later this summer. And uh, it's got a huge cast too, like Bill Murray and stuff, like massive cast. And it feels like everybody who wasn't in the Nolan movie is in the Anderson movie. <laughs> like they just took Hollywood, split it in half. Half of them went to Oppenheimer. Half of them went to Asteroid City. Yep. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. But we are way off topic here. <laughs> <laughs> we are here to discuss Inception from 2010, written by and directed by Christopher Nolan, oh. starring, listen to this laundry list of actors in this freaking movie, Leonardo DiCaprio is the star huh. as Cobb, Yep. Joseph Gordon-Levitt yes. is his right-hand man, Arthur, Elliot Page, credited as Ellen Page at the time, plays Aranade, Aran, Ariadne, I think it's Ariadne. 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 I feel really I, bad for anyone who actually has that name. Right, like yeah, people it, can't pronounce that. It's a struggle. It's a struggle. It's not a stupid name. It's, it's actually a really pretty name. I just can't pronounce it to save my freaking life. Yeah. So I'm just going to call her Ari as we talk about it. Um, then we have Tom Hardy as Ames. Mm, yep. I always forget he's in this movie. Every single That's time. That's embarrassing. Ken Watanabe as Saito. Uh, Dalip Rao as Yusef, I know you love him. He's the uh, chemist. He makes the drug that puts them to sleep. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Jesus. <laughs> uh, then you have... He's also one that I forget's in this movie, and I got so excited seeing him again. But I have to just see him. I would not be able to tell you his name. Then you have Cillian or Killian. Or, uh, Killian. Killian Murphy. Yeah, Killian Murphy. Then you have Tom Berenger. And then you have Marion Cotillard. And Michael Caine. Jesus, how did I forget <laughs> Michael Caine's in this? Well, probably because he's not in a lot of it, but... What a stacked freaking cast. Mm-hmm. It's again, it's a Nolan movie, so he gets whatever actor he wants. Well, when you do movies like he does, you can get whoever. Yeah, I mean, his movies always do well, and they're always critically acclaimed and audience acclaimed. People love watching his movies. He always wants to make you think. Exactly. Like what? He did uh, The Prestige. Did he really? Which is literally a movie that's just, hey, uh, have you thought about this? Because if you haven't, you should. He also does a lot of movies that are like, you really need to think. If you don't, if you don't think, then you don't understand this movie and you're not going to like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, real quick. Can we just l listen to this? Right. 
So his big like debut thing was Memento, which is mm-hmm. one of the craziest movies I've ever watched in my entire life. Then he followed it up with Insomnia, a really great underrated movie that not a lot of people talk about. Then he had Batman Begins, The Prestige, The Dark Knight, Inception, The Dark Knight Rises, Interstellar, Dunkirk, Tenant, and now he's going to have Oppenheimer. I actually enjoyed Tenet. Do we put him on James Cameron's level of like when he shoots, he doesn't miss? It depends. For the people who like his stuff, when he shoots, he doesn't miss. But there's definitely people out there that are just like, eh, to every single thing that he does. But I feel like the people who do that are the people who just don't understand it. Yeah. So like Tenet was a a confusing movie. It's not easily... Understood. Yeah. I couldn't think of the word I wanted to say. But if you understood it, it's a really damn good movie. Yeah. So I'm I'm thinking Cameron makes good movies for the masses. Everyone can understand his movies. But he is that other person that you said is on the top tier. Everything he does will succeed. Well, I'm just talking about like he makes money. Every movie he makes gets critical acclaim. They make money. I don't I don't mean like every single person on the planet's like I love this movie. But everything Nolan touches is basically gold. It's bulletproof. Okay. It makes money always like Return on investment is always good for him, except for Tenant, but that came out during the global bastard pandemic. So what are you going to do? Yeah. Right. But everything else made money, gets award buzz, gets, gets awards. Come on. He doesn't miss, right? Yeah. Or am I just fanboying a little too hard? You might be fanboying. Uh, all right. Let's talk about Inception. So this movie is, you want to talk about confusing ass movies. So this is a movie about Cobb and his team of thieves but they don't steal just normal stuff. They steal stuff from people's dreams. They steal like information. Yeah. Or they, in this movie, do Inception, which is planting an idea in somebody else's head yeah. during dreams. So they have like this magical machine that like they can invade other people's dreams with. Mm-hmm. Okay. But then the, to do an Inception, you have to go multiple layers of dreams. You can't go like one dream or two dreams. You have to go like third dreams where you're like, really deep in the subconscious yeah but it's really hard to get there because then your subconscious is interacting with their subconscious and it could shatter the entire dream world yeah and at that level it's a lot harder for them to not know that they're dreaming so it's really iffy plus you have to like basically kidnap this person so that you can pass out hooked up to the same machine for a certain amount of time for a certain amount of time I don't know. It's a weird-ass movie. I love it, though. For me, it wasn't as complicated as everyone made it out to be. I went along with the absurdity of having that machine and was just like, okay, we're in a dream within a dream within a dream. Yeah. Sounds great. Yeah, I don't know. Super weird. I'm going to do box office stuff so that we can actually get into the, the movie movie. Ready? Box office. Budget of about $160 million. Domestically, it made $292,576,195. Internationally, another $436 million. Yeah. Total worldwide, over $700 million worldwide for this movie. But the adjusted, here's the big one, $340 million adjusted for inflation. In 2010, when this movie came out, it was ranked somewhere in the top 20 movies. Where was it? Mm, 13. Ooh, no, not even not even close. Uh, it was actually number six. Eh. Do you want to hear how embarrassing it was, though, in 2010? Sure. Do you know what number five was? Twilight Eclipse. <laughs> how did that movie make more money than this? Hey, it's still not the worst Twilight movie. It's actually my favorite Twilight movie out of all of them. There you go. Just saying. I don't know why. Couldn't tell you. Shout out, New Moon, the worst. Oh, yeah, by far. So, so bad. Uh, and then it pushed down, again, 
embarrassing, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1 made less money than Twilight Eclipse. Yeah, well, Twilight was huge. So was Harry Potter. That's fair. Yeah. Weird. weird. All right. 2022. It's still in the top 20. Mm -hmm. Where does it rank adjusted? Mm, Five. Lower. It comes in at number nine. (laughs) It is just below. And this is, again, how does Inception keep falling below these absolutely trash ass movies? Because number eight, Thor Love and Thunder. It's a Marvel movie. I don't care. It was it was trash. Yes, but it was Marvel. Like it was the worst Marvel movie I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh so far. It, so far, yeah, <laughs> so far. Uh and then it pushed down Spider Man No Way Home's twenty twenty two box office. Nice. Yeah. Not bad. I mean, kinda makes sense. Uh cinema score wise, it was only a B plus. Because nobody freaking understood it the first time that's what why i was like okay it makes a lot of sense that the money was there but also wasn't there because you have to understand it yeah and people didn't understand it absolutely whereas what do you think roger gave it i did perfect score it, he got he gave it four stars yeah. yeah quote i grabbed from him is here is a movie immune to spoilers if you knew how it ended that would tell you nothing unless you knew how it got there and telling you how it got there would produce bafflement The movie is all about the process, about fighting our way through enveloping sheets of reality and dream, reality within dreams, and dreams without reality. So his review was just as confusing as the movie. Okay, got it. All right. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, What are we currently at? Rotten Tomato Critics score has it at an 87%, and audience has it at a 91%. So audience has grown to like it more as time has gone on. Yeah, I'm a little shocked at that 87%. I feel like it should have been in the 90s. But, you know, there's always going to be that one person who has to hate it to hate it. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, this movie's so popular. I just have to hate it because I'm different. And that can drastically drag a movie down depending on how many people have reviewed it. Yeah. It's just so stupid. All right. Those aren't bad numbers, though. Those no. are pretty good numbers. They match up well. Yeah. It's better than some of these movies where it's like Roger gave it two stars or one and a half stars and it ends up making like $700 million. And you're like, what the f- Mm-hmm. Looking at you, Mario. <laughs> all right let's get into this i really like the opening of this movie like it's really really good um so Cobb wakes up on a beach and then he goes and sees an old man who's like are you here to kill me and you have no freaking idea what the hell's happening mm-hmm. and then obviously that's also the end scene of the movie that's the end of the movie as well One being of the, played yeah. at the beginning and it's just like that's so good because that wasn't like a trope yet you know Movies have done that since because this did it so well, but it wasn't like glorified trope like it is now. Yeah. And I just, one of the things that Nolan loves to do, and you can notice it from his first big directorial thing of Memento up until his most recent thing of Tenant, he loves playing with time. Mm -hmm. So the idea that like we're watching the beginning and the end at the same time is just insane to me. Oh yeah. And the first time I watched it, I was like, damn, that's so good. (laughs) That's so good. Yeah, I could honestly tell you the first time I watched this movie, I actually watched the Rip Tracks version. So if anyone doesn't know, that's basically Mystery Science 3000. They ha- went through a spell where they were Rip Tracks, and basically it's an audio file that you put over the movie and then making fun of the movie. So that was actually my first time watching it was that way. So they ruin movies is what you're telling me? They make it fun. Yeah, they ruin it. Got it. it you normally want to watch it when you've already seen the movie and you can kind of laugh along with it, but... I don't think they're funny. I've tried to watch their stuff. I don't think they're funny. Oh, well, I enjoy them a lot. So that was the first time I watched this movie. Oh, that's horrible. 
It's yeah. horrible. I missed it when it first came out. I don't know why. I just didn't have any interest in it. Yeah, I saw it in theaters and I was freaking blown away. And that's like, I don't remember when I saw it because I, I think it played for a while. But I do remember seeing it in theaters and I just remember going, oh, it's freaking good. Mm. I enjoyed it. Like minute one, I was like, I'm in. And then like so much cool stuff happened and I was like, I'm in. And then the end came and I was like, I'm out. <laughs> but we'll get there. So yeah, the opening is just, it's awesome. I actually really like what comes after it and it kind of sets up the whole idea of you don't know what is reality. And that's a, a theme that goes throughout this entire thing is you don't know where you're at within reality. Are you in reality or in a dream? Because they bring you in and they are discussing something with Sato? Sato. 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 They're discussing something with Sato and he kind of figures out, oh, we're in a dream. He comes out, they're still in a dream. So it's trippy. That part's trippy when it's like, we're in a dream and they come out and you see them all waking up and everything. And then they're fighting still and they're trying to get this information from them. And like, I don't know, they're, they're in some worn war-torn country or something Mm -hmm. some revolt is happening so people are like closing in on them and then all of a sudden he figures out that they're in a dream again they're still in a dream yep because the rug wasn't right the rug felt rougher or something like that i don't know super weird (laughs) super weird but like then the reveal of like you're in my dream i love when saito looks at him he's like well you're in my dream and i can do whatever i want you have to like you know i have control of this yeah and Nash, the guy who's the architect, goes, nope, we're in my dream. And I was like, oh! Mm-hmm. So we were in Saito's dream, but now we're in Nash's dream. But, but whose dream? I don't know. But were we even in Saito's <clears throat> dream at all? I, who knows, man? Who knows? All right. Yeah, so it's just that's the story. Like, you have to go. So Saito gets them to work for him by taking Nash so he offers them a job and they're like, nah, dude, we don't, we don't do inception. We don't plant ideas. We just ex- extract information. Yeah. And Saito was like, no, 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 do this inception thing. And they were like, no. And he's like, are you sure? And his henchmen have Nash, who is the architect, um, who I didn't even bring up. He's played by Lucas Haas. Mostly because this is the only time that he's in the movie. Yeah. And you might know Lucas Haas, Lucas Haas, Lucas Haas. He's been a lot of things. Like Widows, First Man, The Revenant. Mm-hmm. He always just like pops up and stuff. He's one of those faces you recognize, but you can never place him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So here's my first question. What the hell happened to Nash? We never find out. Yeah. I, I figured he was killed. But why? Saito doesn't seem like that kind of guy. But he also seems like that kind of guy because he doesn't like people who are rats. And Nash went to them. He ratted out his friends. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It's just weird. I mean, like- he was already beaten to a pulp. Like, and they dragged him away. He wasn't beaten. We don't even, we don't even see him. Yeah, he has wounds on him. Just from a helicopter. We see the, we see like a far distant shot of them dragging him off. Yeah, they drag him out of the helicopter. Yeah, I don't know. All I'm saying is if they didn't kill him, what would they have done with him? Because why not keep him to be the architect? Because he sucks at it. He couldn't even get the carpet right. But he didn't know he was going to rub his face on it. That's the excuse he uses in the movie too. You fell for it. Yeah. No, do your job, man. It doesn't matter if he's going to fall on it or not. Make sure How do you right. know the exact consistency of a rug? Well, that's Who jo- knows the exact consistency of a rug? Dude, that's his job. Like, that's his entire job is to know this shit. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah. All right. So that's the story. So Saito hires them to go into um, 
Killian Murphy, who plays Robert Fisher, mm-hmm. to go into Fisher's dream to plant an idea to break up his father's company because they're they're a massive conglomerate who are kind of pushing Sido's company Basi- to yeah. the wayside. Basically, they're creating a monopoly. Yes. And he wants some corporate espionage, espionage stuff happening. Yeah. And it's okay. Whatever. It's a really weird story, but you know, whatever. So they don't want to do it, but then they agree and they have to put together a team to go do this. All because uh, Cobb wants to get back home to his kids. Well, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Do you believe that? Do you believe he's doing all this to try to get home to his kids? Yes. I don't. Why? You think he just wants to do it? I just think he's addicted. I don't think he can let this dream hopping go. So he's like using his kids in his, as an excuse. But okay, let's just get into it. So Cobb is on the run. He, he travels the entire world. He can never go back to the United States because they think he killed his wife. Yeah. Because him and his wife went dream hopping and they were in too long, got into some problems and they ended up in limbo. And limbo is a place where like nothing really exists. And so they slowly lost their minds. And when they did escape the dream world, she was now crazy. Yeah, he had to convince her the only way to get out of there was to die. And so every time she couldn't think that anything was reality, she thought the limbo was reality. He had to convince her it wasn't reality so that she would leave with him. And then she thought reality wasn't reality. So she kept thinking. So she's crazy, like I said. She had to die to wake up. Sure. I, yeah. The, the long story, the short story, she's crazy. Mm-hmm. And she kills herself thinking she's still in a dream. And she went to a, a, a therapist. Yeah. And told them that she feared for her life that Cobb was going to kill her. So that way, if anything happened to her, he would be blamed. Yeah. Okay. Listen, <laughs> this is this is the biggest plot hole in this entire movie for me. You went to your therapist and you said, my husband's crazy. They could easily arrest him for her murder, have him go through a therapy session, realize he didn't do it and he's not crazy and everything would have been okay. I think she also planted evidence in the room to make it yeah, look but like... So what? You know how many people like plant evidence and they, it doesn't work? So, but it's not just that. She also... Went to, like, three different psychiatrists to get herself uh, mentally sane. So what? He would go to three different sci- uh, psychologists and get himself declared sane. And that he w- meant no one harm ever. Like, he didn't have to run. He didn't have to leave his kids. And the reason being, if this dream hopping crap is real, right, we have to accept that that exists and that people know about it. Mm-hmm. Do you know how easy it is to explain the situation? Hey, her and I, we went dream hopping. We went too far down. She lost her mind and wanted to get back to the dream world. And she couldn't understand that this was reality. And she just lost it. I don't care that she went and got herself declared sane. I don't care about that. He could have fought this. He did not need to run. And he would have most likely succeeded in not going to jail. But you also know our judicial system and it's not great. He's rich. It would be great for him. Mm, probably. I mean, he's rich. Did you see the house he's in at the end? It's massive. Yeah, but they also give that house to anyone in the in movies. Yeah, they're like they're all rich. You babysit part time. You have that house. Well, yeah, because that's because Hollywood is so out of touch with what things actually cost. Yeah, they're just like I don't know. You have a part time job, penthouse suite. But anyway, so he's rich because I assume this this dream hopping stuff pays well. Probably. You know, they all have like fancy suits and stuff, so it pays well. He, I'm just saying. 
I hate this whole this whole B story of he, he had to run because his wife killed herself and he was going to be blamed for it pisses me off. It doesn't need to be here. Just doing the inception is cool enough. Mm-hmm. And you know the idea that she she's she's dead still could have infected his mind. He still could have missed her so much that he he knows he was not directly the responsible, but like what they did going to limbo caused her to kill herself. And he was dealing with that grief still. And she still could have invaded these dreams. We didn't need the whole running from the kids thing. We just didn't need it. I guess. There's no reason. We wanted a happy ending. Yeah, happy ending. He he comes to terms with what happened and he moves on from it. Yeah, that's not always seen as a happy ending. Well, it is. So dumb. I, I hate that part of the movie, though. I just got to say it. I hate it. What I do like about this movie, though, is the visuals, because they're cool as hell. Most so, of them. So Nash is dead or whatever, and so they need a new architect, and that's where Elliot Page comes in mm-hmm. uh, as Ari. They go and get her, and my God, she's, first of all, he is fantastic in this movie. Yeah. He is so good. Oh, honestly, all of them are. Oh, yeah, but he stands out a little bit for me, but also for a bad reason, and I'll explain that in a second. So he has to go get a new architect. She picks up on this crap so fast. Oh, yeah. She. She's she in the movie. She so in that the movie. Works. She in the movie picks up on it so fast. She starts bending reality. She's flipping cities. She's changing streets, all this stuff. Like, she's putting up mirrors. and. Yeah, why not? She just, she just knows it. Yeah. Okay, so here's my problem with her, though. Mm-hmm. One, she's a Mary Sue. She just can get it so fast. Okay. But... She's supposed to be like the top of an architecture class. Like she's the top student in an architecture class. So clearly she would understand these things. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's what she thinks about all day long. But two, she is the nosiest bitch. Oh yeah. Ever. Yeah. And they get her. I, and I don't know what Nolan was doing with this when he wrote it, but she invades everybody's lives so fast, but nobody cares. Like, all of a sudden, she's like, Cobb, you need to tell all these people that you, that your ex-wife is invading these dreams still. And he's like, no. And she's like, do it. He's like, fine. And you're like, I'm sorry. Arthur, played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, has been with you for how long? He knows that Mal's a problem. And, like, you don't tell him when she's acting. Like, you hide it from him, but this new girl comes in and just you're just like, oh, okay. He tries to hide it for her from her, but she bogarts one of his dream ses- sessions. So what? So, so what? what? You still she, don't have to listen to her. You're she, the boss. Yeah, but she's seen too much. And then he only listens to her after they're in too deep and realize that, hey, these stakes are real. Your problems are now a real problem. Yeah. So what? So what? You're, you're, you're tacking on excuses for why he listens to her, but she, they've known each other for like a week. It doesn't matter how deep they are. If anything, he should go to Arthur and be like, dude, I got to tell you some stuff. She doesn't need to be the one pushing him. He has friends. He has people he's been with for a while. This new chick just walks in and just starts demanding things of him. And it's so weird. It is very weird. I'm just saying. I know. I know. You're, you're making excuses. You make valid points. But at the same time, like... I can also counter those and be like, it's, it still doesn't make sense, regardless of how much you want to say it does. I also don't think he ended up telling them anything. He just goes and deals with it. Well, yeah, because he sucks. So. 
I don't know. Your, she your just, point is invalid. She's just too much all up in everybody's shit. That I will agree. She is nosy. And I hate it. AF. Hate it. But the visual. So during this inception, the first layer, they're going to kidnap Fisher. This first layer of the dream. Yeah. They're going to kidnap him and see if they can get him to talk to open up a vault where they can put an idea in that vault and make him think it's his idea. So they get him into a taxi cab. And as they're driving, a freaking freight train just barrels down the street, just pushing stuff out of the way. Mm -hmm. This is one of the coolest visuals in any movie ever. It's so awesome. Oh, yeah. Thoughts? I mean, you kind of said it all. It's just really cool. And it interacts with the space so well that you're like, dang, did they just... Did they just send a train through a street? Yes. Like, how did how did they do that? By sending a train through a street. How? It's a set. They did it for real. I have no idea. Well, I'm don't talk sure like you like you know no. exactly what it is. Well, because first of all, I know movies, and that was a little too real. But the visuals are just outstanding through and through this movie, and that's just like one of the main focuses. But as they go deeper into these dreams, we get so much more cool stuff. So Tom Hardy's character of Ames gets to, he's, he's like the disguise guy. Yeah. He gets to like be a woman at one point. Mm-hmm. And then he gets to be Tom Berenger at one point, who is uh, Fisher, Kelly Murphy's character's like accountant. I know it was like his dad's best his friend. His attorney. Yeah, his, his attorney. Yeah. So he gets to like fake being him. And there's this beautiful shot when he's getting ready to talk to him. And it's Tom Hardy sitting in the chair, putting on makeup. And in the mirror, some of the mirrors are Tom Hardy. Some of the mirrors are Tom Berenger. Mm -hmm. That is so good. They do a few of those shots throughout when he's different people. And it's just like so good every time. Yeah. What's the other one? They do it again um, with him as the girl Mm -hmm. in, I believe, the elevator. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. They also do it as the Berenger guy as well uh, later on when it's not like in a mirror but we like pass someone and then he's suddenly Tom Hardy. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's when they're sitting on the beach, mm-hmm. him and uh, Tom Hardy and Killian Murphy are sitting on the beach. And when we're in front of them, watching them talk, it's Fisher and his attorney. And then the camera slowly pans around. And when it gets past Fisher, it's now Fisher and Ames yeah. sitting there. Yeah. Uh, here we go. The train was actually built on a semi truck chassis with a driver inside. And they actually barrel the train through cars see i was right just took me a second to verify but that's why it looks so good it was real because nolan does as much real stuff as he can which is funny because that's the exact opposite of cameron who does everything cgi except for titanic well yeah but i'm talking about like modern cameron oh well that's because he can yes he can but he he also pushes it it way farther than anyone else (laughs) so so good so after they kidnap him they need to this is now in the second layer they're in a hotel room and they're gonna pull Mr. Charles, I believe is what the what the plan is, because Fisher has had somebody teach him how to defend his dreams. Yeah. So they're being attacked. And in the second level, Cobb decides we gotta we gotta do a Hail Mary play here. And it's called Mr. Charles, where Cobb is basically gonna go up to Fisher and tell him he's dreaming and fake like he's the consultant. You hired me to defend you in this dream. So I need to know everything. So I'm part of your subconscious that you built up so I can help you. I can protect you. Yeah. Crazy, right? Yeah. It's a gamble. 
I mean, that'd be a gamble in real life too, to like fake, like you are part of something when you're not. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's brilliant because then he basically makes his subconscious stop looking at them because he's like, oh, you're part of my subconscious. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, because the whole idea is the longer you're in somebody's dream, the more their subconscious realizes you're not supposed to be there mm-hmm. and will attack you. Yeah. But it's also just dangerous because you're telling the mark, according to Arthur, it's dangerous because you're telling the mark that they're dreaming, mm-hmm. which can collapse the entire dream and ruin everything. Yeah. I don't know, man. What Could you take that gamble? I think that might be the only way to do it if you're going trying to go as deep as they go. Yeah. Especially when they're trying to make him believe that he came up with the idea. You want to be as close to him as possible. So you have to have that like kind of confidant. That's fair. During this whole hotel scene where they're doing the Mr. Charles, we get some awesome moments as well. I love in the hotel architecture, Ari builds a Penrose staircase, mm-hmm. which is just that never ending staircase. And they're walking it. And then all of a sudden the view changes and they're at the top. Uh, they do it twice. Yo, th- you're, rem- you're, you're trying to think of the time they're on it. But when they're getting chased in the hotel, they do the stairs again. Well, I know. What's his name? Yeah. I love a good old what's his name. Arthur. Ain't? Arthur. Yeah. Ar- when Arthur is being chased, he does it too. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Mm. That's in the hotel, right? I would assume so. Yeah. Yeah. But it's really cool because like the Penrose staircase, if you've never seen it, is artwork that is a never ending staircase. It's just a loop of stairs that you constantly are walking up. But when you get to the third set, you're walking back onto the level of the first set of stairs Mm -hmm. and you just keep going around. And that was actually built. It's a real set piece that they built Hmm. and then walked and they just use camera manipulations, obviously, to do the reveal and all that. And I just think that's awesome. That's, again, that practical stuff. Amazing. But then we get another cool scene where the whole idea of how to get out of a dream is you have to have a kick. And that's like the sense of falling can wake you up from a dream. We've all had that, right? Mm-hmm. You've had that? Yeah, of course. I have it all the time and it freaks me the hell out. If I'm sleeping and then like I feel like I'm falling, I do it a lot when I'm like falling asleep, not yeah. so much when I'm like fast asleep. I've never done it when I'm fast asleep, but it's always when I'm falling asleep. Dude, I've literally like woken up and like grabbed the bed to be like, oh God, I'm falling. <laughs> and I probably look dumb as hell and I don't care. It's a crazy sensation. But that's how you can get out of dreams. So... They have a plan of like, we're going to do a kick because you have to do a kick in every level. You mm-hmm. can't just do one and suck people out. It's every level. So in this hotel, they have a kick planned, but then that gets completely ruined when the first level, the van falls off a bridge. And so there's no gravity yeah. in this level and everything starts spinning. Dude, this hallway fight scene between Arthur and some of the subconscious goons. Holy crap. That's amazing. I'll do like you always do. This is my psycho shower scene. Same, same, 100%. We're just going to ruin awards. It doesn't matter though. This is the set piece of set pieces in this movie. The fact that they did it practically as well. On a giant gimbal. Yeah, they made the hallway and then just kept spinning it. Yeah, and like the way the fight scene moves and it's all like not really one long take, but it feels like one long take. Mm -hmm. It's shot so beautifully and the, the actual physicality of it is awesome. And then the practicality all coming together. It's like, this is movie making right here. This is filmmaking at its finest either go all in like you like cameron does with avatar and just make the most gorgeous cgi you've ever seen or pull a nolan and do some practical stuff yeah this in-between stuff that a lot of filmmakers do just doesn't work for me yeah as soon as you get it to the point where it's like 
they do it once too with uh this movie actually where they're walk when Cobb is trying to teach Arya how to manipulate the world and they make the world kind of like bend in on itself yeah and they walk straight and then they go up up the wall because that's now where gravity goes it looks terrible it does that's like the one moment that really stands out in this movie of bad CGI. Mm-hmm. So that is that instance of you do trying to do both. And yeah. it just does not work. And I feel like they probably could have done that practically. Yeah. They probably could have harnessed them up and just done it practically. Yeah. But I don't make $160 million movies. So what the hell am I? What, what do I know? True. Wish I could make a, I would make a baller $160 million movie. I don't know what it would be about, but somebody give me that money and I'll make a badass movie. Then we go into the third layer. The third layer is boring for me. Yeah. it's. I feel like the movie took a really long time to get to this third level of dreaming. And so there's not a lot to do. So they're in a snowy mountainside with a fortress that's protected. And they that's where the vault is. They have, That's where they've been trying to get to. And it's just them skiing down a mountain and then sniping people. Mm. And that's it. And like trying to get into uh, this secure area. Se- yeah. Vault. Vault. Of so, course, this is also where they have to go down to limbo, so... Yeah, I was just going to touch on that. But it's just a boring third level of the dream where it's like, man, so much other cool stuff happened in every... The train in the first one, the hallway scene in the second one, the third one, I don't know, go skiing. Mm-hmm. Boring. Yeah. But this is where Maul, played by Marion Cotard, who is Cobb's ex-wife, or or at least the memory of his ex-wife, shows up. Now, she showed up a few times before. This is where she messes everything up. Because she shows up in that fortress and kills Fisher. No. Yes. Fisher doesn't die. She shoots Fisher. Dude, she he, won- get, he gets into the vault. The person that dies is Saito? Dude, they both die. Then how she, come he doesn't have to go into limbo to get him? She, he does. She shoots him dead. And then Cobb and Ari go into limbo because she he knows Maul will have him. They go and save him. Fisher and Ari go back and they finish the mission of mm-hmm. putting the idea in the vault. Cobb stays in limbo to find Saito, who got killed in the first level. Well, got shot in the first level. And has been dying ever and since. And has been slowly dying ever since and now has finally died. Yeah. And then he stays to get Saito. Mm. So yes, they both end up in limbo. Do not question me on this movie. How dare you? But that's... So that's the interesting thing that happens in this one is she kills Fisher. And then... They go down to Limbo, which you're never supposed to go to Limbo. It's like the whole idea. You can't go to Limbo. That's where you lose your mind. It's because, you know, they the time in each level gets longer the longer you're in there because time passes differently. And so once you get to that final level, it's just like 50 years can pass in yeah. like an hour. Yeah. So that's how you lose your mind because you are an old soul coming back to a young body. Yeah, it's super weird. But they go and they save him because, duh, they're going to succeed. It's a movie. Bad guys never win. This is also where we get the emotional Cobb has to get over his feelings for his wife and let her go. Yeah, which I think is kind of weird because we never see him really growing. Like, there's even a part in the movie where you said Ari goes into one of Cobb's dreams. Yeah. And in Cobb's dream, he's having a romantic evening with his ex-wife. Yeah. With his dead wife. He clearly hasn't let go. And then nothing happens throughout the movie to make me think he's actually letting go. Yeah. It's just basically Ari's like, hey, you got to let her go. And he's like, you know what? You're right. Yeah. 
Well, I don't have to let her go because I know she's not real. Then what the f*** was this all about? If you knew she wasn't real the whole time, what the f*** are we doing here? Yeah. Yeah, it piss- this is why I hate the B story. I can't stand it. It ruins the pacing. One of my notes is how bad the pacing is in this movie at times. Every time she shows up, anything to do with his ex-wife ruins the pacing of this movie. It brings all of the action, all of the tenseness, everything to a dead fucking stop. I don't agree on the tenseness because she is creepy. And yeah, but she, she does the real. job well. Yeah, but in the dreams, she is real. Sure, she is real. But we know this is the first dream where consequences matter. Every other dream they've ever been in that she's messed up don't matter. Because if you die in a dream, you just wake up. So why did she matter ever in any dream? I mean, she ruined their job, their original job, to get information. So what? Do it again. Actually, but scratch that. Why are any of these people even following Cobb anymore? He yeah. clearly can't keep his shit together, and he ruins missions. Well, you say it's getting worse, so... It hasn't been that bad until around this time. Arthur even says that. Yeah. It's like, it's getting worse. Yeah, but if it's getting worse, then you probably shouldn't do the job. Yeah. If you know it's getting worse, don't do the job. It's plain as day. But he needs money, so. Dude, he could probably do the job by himself or get his own team. (laughs) He's really good at it. Yeah. So they go down to Limbo. They save him. Cobb's like, I got to go save Saito. You know, this is my fault that he got shot in the first level and that he's dead. Gotta go save him. So he goes and finds him. And this is when we get back to the beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm. He wakes up on the beach in limbo, goes and sees the old man is Saito. Because he's been there so much longer. Because he got there roughly 10 minutes before Cobb. Mm -hmm. But that 10 minutes was like 60 years. So you're like, holy crap. So he's just an old man now. But... Uh, he's like, Saito, you got to come with me. We're going to go back. And because he has to get Saito, because Saito is the one who promised him he could get him home to his kids. And they are currently on a plane to LA. Yeah. And if it lands, he's going to jail Cobb's forever. going to jail. Yeah. So he brings Saito back and boom, happy ending. Cobb walks into a house. They successfully complete the mission with mm-hmm. Fisher's dreams. Cobb walks into a house, sees his kids playing in the yard, calls their names. They turn, look at them. Movie ends on a shot of a spinning top. And I know we didn't talk about those yet because I was saving it for the end. And that's it. Movie ends. Thoughts? I like the ending. You like the ambiguousness of the ending? Yeah. So the idea of the spinning top has been debated a long time. So every person who does this dream hopping stuff has to have what they call a totem. Mm -hmm. And the totem is something that only they know. Arthur's is a loaded die. He knows the exact weight of that die and what number it will land on every time it's rolled. Yeah. But nobody else can touch it. Only he can. We're told throughout the entire movie, Cobb's totem is a top. Mm -hmm. And if he spins it and it falls, he's in the real world. If he spins it and it never stops spinning, dream world. Yes. So the end shot is a top spinning. And as the camera pushes in closer and closer and closer... We see it wobble the ever so slightest bit and then cut to black. Mm-hmm. And people have been like, well, clearly he was in the real world because it wobbled. And people are like, yeah, but we didn't see it fall down. So he's dreaming. What do you think? Well, you probably should have known it was the real world because the kids actually turned and faced him. And he actively said, they never face me because I left at this moment. I never got to see them turn around. 
So that has already changed. Yeah. And those dreams were based on his memories. Yeah. So this is a brand new memory for him, even though those kids look exactly like he left them. Yeah. Several years ago. <laughs> uh, no, they're older. A little bit? Yeah. Oh, Do right. you know all three kids were played by uh, a family? Hmm. So there's a girl and a boy. Yeah. The first time we see the girl and a boy, um, the little girl is played by, I don't remember her name. Her last name is Gear. And the boy is played by just a baby. He's a baby. Mm-hmm. When he goes and sees the kids at the end, they're a little older. They're like two years or three years older than they were at the beginning. And the older girl is played by an actress with the last name Gear, who's the older sister of the girl who played the young version. Mm-hmm. And the little boy is played by like Jonathan Gear, who's their brother. Smart. And I thought that was cool. Smart. Yeah, it was like, get, get the whole family involved. It's awesome. That way they look alike. So here's my thing, though. Mm-hmm. I don't know how this ever became a debate because I have always known that it's real. And the reason I've always known this is the top isn't Cobb's totem. It can't be Cobb's totem. The whole idea is it's your personal totem. It's only yours. Yeah. The top was never Cobb's totem. It was Maul's totem, his ex-wife. He even tells us in the movie Mm -hmm. that it's her totem. So it can't be his. Therefore, the top never matters ever we focus so heavily on it but it never matters Cobb's totem is his wedding ring mm. watch the movie sometimes he has it on sometimes he doesn't depending on if the wedding ring is on his finger or not depends on if he's in the real world or the dream world but the top can't be his totem you can't share totems it's just not possible they, they explain that in the movie the only way that he could is the fact that she's dead Nah, it's still... She, she, she's the only other person to have had it, and she no longer exists to create a dream in which it's real. Sure. I I understand that, but at the end of the day, it's still the idea, Arthur hammers home, nobody else is allowed to touch your totem. Period. So the fact that anybody ever touched that top besides Cobb, not his totem. That's my that's my take. Hmm. And I'm pretty sure I'm right. It's an I'm pretty sure take. it's reality. But that's it. That's, that's the end of the movie. Here's some of the points that I had. Um, the action is fantastic in this movie. The hallway fight scene's awesome. The the shootout with the train coming through, the you know big mm-hmm. huge shootout, awesome. Even the snowy mountainside's boring, but there's some good action in it. Yeah, like it's shot really well and like really well done. Oh yeah. So yeah, I just love the action in this movie. My last thing, cop sucks as a person. He ruins the job. He clearly is still stuck in the past. He doesn't treat anybody nicely. Yeah. Why do we root for him? Why do I care if he gets back to his kids? Because they're kids. So? They're clearly well taken care of by Michael Caine. Yeah, but it's still a father wanting to get back to his kids. That is the emotional crux. He ran. He doesn't deserve to be with those kids. Yeah, you could have taken the kids with you. You could have... Well, they say you gotta run now or you're out. We only have one ticket. Hmm. Like, I, I, again, that whole story. I hate it. Hate it. All right. Question. Anything else? Yeah. Is this peak sound design? No. No? No, peak sound design happened way back in 2001, A Space Odyssey. Eh. No, no, there's no... Just everything about this movie is beautiful. Well, sure, the sound is, the sound is awesome. Is it peak? No, because if I have to hear... One more time... I'm going to jump off a bridge. You know, I actually didn't notice hearing it at all uh, well, in this movie, watching it again. It's your problem. 
Um, are we going into questions? Is that what you're doing? Yeah. Oh, well, damn. All right. If dream hopping is real, why would Cobb be in trouble? Because I don't think it's as well known as you think it is. That's why he has the guy go there and give him a ticket and be like, here, this is your only out. Because it's supposed to be a, like an espionage thing. It's a military thing. The military developed this. And then other people got their hands on it. They say that in the movie. Ah, I was going to say, I thought it was spy network kind of thing. It's it's, spies. A military, it's a military thing that you can bat, you can train for battle in a dream where you can't die so mm. that you can make perfect soldiers. Does dream theft pay well? Probably. I mean, you're most likely going for very sensitive information from very powerful people. Okay. It's like insider trading. Okay. Is Maul just a projection? So I have a weird theory. What if Mal's not dead? We're only told that she's dead. Uh And we see her jump from a building. But we don't know what's dream and what's not dream. Sure. How can we trust anything that we see? Is Mal not dead? Is she doing her own dream? Is she invading their dreams? Not as a projection, but real. She would have to be connected to them. They all have to be connected Mm, to be in the same dream. Maybe she found a different way. Mm, highly unlikely also go look at your uh ring theory i have it's not a theory it's true well there's your answer then uh again why work with Cobb at all um what what is this what did i write this for i just wrote the question is he awake i have no idea who he is or when i wrote this during the movie <laughs> i would figure the end no it wasn't even the end oh no what, who's awake Okay, skip that question. The hell? This this isn't even a question. This is just a note. Mm -hmm. Saito's motivation for hiring them is weak as hell. Oh, that he doesn't want to lose out on everything because they were becoming a monopoly that would have ruined him? But it wasn't even a monopoly. He just said they were getting too powerful. That doesn't mean like he was going to be ruined. Dude still owned helicopters. He literally, when they're like, hey, we need a 747 because it's the only plane that will make all of this work and we need to buy the stewardess out so that we can get this done. Saito just looks at him and goes, okay, done. I bought the airline. Mm-hmm. Dude's got money to spend. He Aww. doesn't need this. I took it as him being not just like money hungry, but being altruistic and being like, they will have a monopoly over this. And you can you believe one person having a monopoly over energy for a large amount of area, could devastate the world. You are too kind. Oh, he's not doing it for the money. I'm fairly certain he says that. Dude, it's for the money. It's always for the money. He literally says that it would be devastating for... His pocketbook? For for like half of Europe. Yeah, his pocketbook. He doesn't care about Europe. Mm -hmm. He doesn't live in Europe. Mm -hmm. Uh, What piece of memorabilia do you want from this movie? I want the train. (laughs) A whole train? Well, it's not... First of all, it's not a whole train... And secondly, yeah. I want the hallway. You can't hit the hallway. On on the gimbal. That's not a piece of memorabilia. <laughs> I'll not, take his top. That's not in the movie. <laughs> I mean, it is the movie. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a set. You can't take a set as memorabilia. You can take pieces of the movie, pieces from the movie. Uh, I'll take his top. I was like, I have a big piece in the train. Top? Why the top? Because it, they focus on it so much. And I need to know, am I in a dream? Am I in a dream? You have to have your own totem. You can't use somebody else's. We just went over this. Mine will be a Lego. Except all Legos are the same way. Yeah. I'll modify a Lego. (laughs) What would be your totem? I don't know. I didn't think about it. 
I was thinking about memorabilia. I wasn't thinking about memorabilia. But you weren't thinking about totems either. Because you don't even know about the totems. I'm... Um, Let's see. What would be my totem? Ooh. You know what I would have? Hmm. Uh, I would have a Spider-Man figurine that whenever you tossed him up in the air, he would always land on his feet due to weight issues. But you'd have to also know the exact weight of it. Yes. I made it. Yeah. What did... You didn't, you, did I get suspicious? <laughs> if I could say words, it would be really helpful. Did I get specific about your totem? Oh, you're going to have a Lego? How are you going to modify your Lego? Oh, Legos look the same. How are you going to know somebody else didn't modify the Lego to look like your Lego? No, just let me have my totem, jerk. <laughs> it's a weighted Spider-Man who lands on his feet when you toss him in the air, no matter where you toss him. Jerk. Cut time. So this movie's really long. It is it's like very two and long. a half hours. Yeah. What would you cut? I would to cut make it shorter. A lot of the third level, a lot of that snow level. Yeah. Just cut it. But then they're only two levels deep, also, and then you can't do Inception at that level. Also, cut a bit of the opening failure of their. Um, that, is, that is long. Not getting information from him. Like I like the showing the idea and the premise of it. Just do it a little shorter. They don't need to take forever in that first level. They just don't. That's fair. I, uh, I obviously would cut all the mall stuff. Just get rid of it. I'm out. I don't care. Last question. Mm-hmm. Who do you hire to play Cobb instead of Leonardo DiCaprio? You can have any actor. Who do you put there instead of Leonardo DiCaprio? I'm going to my well. Matt Damon. No, he would be terrible in this, though. <laughs> Could you imagine him walking around screaming in his Boston accent the whole time? He can work on another accent. No, that's not even a good pick. I can't think of actors off the top of my head. Uh, Stanley Tucci. Always put the Tucci in things. Yep. It's, gonna be, it's either Matt Damon or Stanley <laughs> Tucci. Stanley Tucci. Mr. 55-year-old Stanley Tucci at the time. I actually have no idea how old Stanley Tucci is. He could probably do it, though. Yeah. Right? I think so. Okay. Maybe. Nits? nits? You got any nits? No. It's mostly just that uh, Ari is pretentious. Oh. There's not enough Tom Hardy in this movie. Truth. They could definitely put more Tom Hardy. I think he was sorely underused. Like Truth. He had such a fun character and they needed that levity. Yeah, more. exactly. And he got a little too serious by the end too. Yeah. Um, My other nit, not enough Michael Caine. Hmm. Like, oh, there's never enough Michael Caine. It's Michael Caine. Put, yeah. him, put him in the... Why is he not doing anything? <laughs> why is he just sitting at a desk? Yeah. yeah. It's not okay. Make him the lead of the movie. <laughs> Make him Ames. Yeah. <laughs> Just replace Tom Hardy with Michael Caine. Yeah, and then put Tom Hardy as Leonardo DiCaprio. There, there you, you go. go. Um, and then it's just a, uh, too long, I think. Yeah. Uh, hot takes? Yeah, this movie is not as complex as people think it is. It's um, actually rather easy to follow. Yeah. I remember everyone being like, it's so confusing. Are you in a dream? Are you not? Like, I couldn't understand it. And I'm just like, it's really simple to know what's happening. Now you watch something like Tenant, and you're like, God. Inception is like a children's book compared to Tenant. <laughs> Even Tenant wasn't all that confusing. It's not. It's visually confusing at times. Yeah. But it's not story-wise confusing, at least not for me. If it is for you, sorry. Let us know. I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm interested to know how many people think this movie was confusing. Uh, my hot take is Cobb is a terrible person, and I hope he suffered. I, I think he did. No, no. I mean, at the end of the movie. I'm sure he did. Yeah. He couldn't dream anymore, so... Yeah, he was done. Yeah, yep. nobody was ever going to hire him again. Okay, awards. We yeah. already did our psycho shower scene. We both had the hallway fight scene between Joseph Gordon-Levitt and a bunch of goons. Yeah, the zero gravity fight. 
That's so good. So good. Uh, next up award is the life uh, finds a way. For what is your favorite line from the movie? I, I'm going to laugh when we have the same one again. I actually picked an Ames quote. Yeah, same. You mustn't be afraid to dream a little bigger, darling. Yep. <laughs> it encapsulates everything about this movie. It is. You you have to dream a little bigger. And it's so funny. Because he it is. pulls out a, like... Well, Arthur's sitting there trying to shoot dudes up on, like, a catwalk of some kind. Yeah. Like, super distance up on a, on a roof or something. Yeah. And he's trying to rifle. shoot him with, like, a 9 millimeter. Yeah. Like, it's a handgun. Oh, I thought he had a rifle. I don't think so. You might be right. I don't know. He's got some small gun. Yeah. And Ames is like, no, no, I got you. And he just pulls out like a grenade launcher. Yeah. And he's just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Dream just a little bigger. This. Yeah. Yeah. It's been my favorite line since the first time I saw this movie. I quote it all the time in my head. Mm-hmm. I should probably say it out loud, but sometimes it's not appropriate. So I don't. But like, I just laugh all the time with that line. Uh, next up is the Han Shot First Award for what held up the worst since this movie came out the cgi shots like them walking sideways up the walkway it it crushes me when that happens because everything else looks so good that that being so bad is just like oh no yeah some of the full cgi shots are just mm, not Mm -hmm. particularly that good uh i have a split here oh okay of the length Mm -hmm. i think this movie's a little too long it's a movie that would be awesome to revisit more often but at that length, it's hard to do. Yeah. And the second thing is Cobb. Watching it this time, I just found myself hating him. And I know hate's a really strong word, but like the character is just overly, I don't even know. I, I can't think of the words you I want to say You just don't have here. a redeeming quality. Yeah. There's just nothing I like about you. Mm-hmm. And so I don't care about your part of the story. Honestly. I want to focus on everybody else. Probably the only reason people deal with him because it is Leonardo DiCaprio and he was... And he's charming. The tr- most charming guy for the longest time. Yeah, people still love him. I mean, he could literally kick a puppy and people would be like, oh, what did that puppy do to him? Yeah, that's Jack Dawson, okay? Yeah. Ugh. So, okay, last award before we go into our decisions is the Paul Rudd Award for what held up the best since this movie came out. Mine is the practical effects. Just the fact that they did so much in reality, like you said, the train, the hallway scene, it just looks so good and it makes this movie feel so much more realistic and as if it were made today. Cool. All right. That's all we got for the awards. You did the same thing as well? Of course I did the same thing. The hallway (laughs) fight scene on the gimbal. Like if if you've never seen it, um, I'll see if I can drop a link. Check the link in the description of this uh, episode. Uh, I'll try to put one in there of behind the scenes footage mm-hmm. of that hallway fight scene it's absolutely stunning but then the train the the rain just the way the camera moves just everything about the way this movie looks just blows me away yeah so yeah of course that's what i went with all right decision time go ahead i'm not gonna sugarcoat it this movie holds up i watched it this time and i got just as much enjoyment as i watched it the other times that i have it looks beautiful it's still an intriguing story and it would be made today yeah i mean the movie's gonna hold up i don't think it holds up as well as i thought it was going to i found myself actually getting bored during parts of the movie and i love this movie but it still was like are we done yet okay 
get, let's, get going. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. And there was just some weird pacing issues and all that and some weird CGI effects. So, yeah, I mean, there's moments where I'm like, eh. So basically the good outweighs the bad. Correct. Just by the slightest of margins. Absolutely. All right. That's it. You want to say anything else? No. All right. Well, thank you for listening. We really hope you guys enjoyed this episode about 2010's Inception. And if you want to talk to us further or give us movie suggestions, you can find us on any of our socials. Instagram is does it hold up one three. TikTok does it hold up underscore between each word. We have a YouTube page at does it hold up. A Facebook page does it hold up. And Twitter does it hold up one three. Yeah, you can basically find us anywhere. We also have some great other content for you guys to enjoy, especially over on our TikTok. We put out new videos every single day. Lots of good interaction and stuff over there as well. So come check it out. In the meantime, be good to yourself, be kind, be good to others, and keep watching movies. Bye.